Hello everyone, and welcome to the Green Jam Pod. Obviously the last show we did was in 2017. This is a new show, it's, I mean it's not a new show, well, sort of like, it's, it's a little bit different though. We are going to be talking about uh, technology, uh, we're going to be talking about sometimes current events, we're going to be talking about movies, we're going to be talking about like education related stuff, sometimes we'll talk about things that I'm doing in my life currently, stuff like that, so it, it should be a good show. In terms of who I am, we'll go by my Twitter handle, which is J. We'll go with that. I'm a student at the University of Rhode Island. I'm going to be graduating in May in molecular biology with a concentration in biochemistry and a minor in mathematics. You know, just because. Oh, and I also do videos on YouTube. Um, you probably have seen the main channel if you're listening to this, and if you haven't, um, the main channel is probably listed in, like, the, the channels tab, if you're listening on YouTube. So, that's what the Green Jam Pod is. So, let's get into the show, because we, we have a good show today for you people out there listening. Intro. I think a lot of podcasts, they have a guest on, which is great, because then you have someone to talk to. I don't, because I don't have a lot of friends. But it also means I get to talk directly to you, dear listener, about certain things. The first thing we're going to talk about today is about the current situation we find ourselves in. And you see this most because I don't I don't get out of the house often, just because of who the people I'm with. So I'm not the one who ends up doing the grocery shopping, which is great. I do, like, things around the house, and also... My job is completely online, so I don't have a lot of contact with the outside world. I guess if you want to call it that. Here's some things. When, whenever we get groceries and the groceries come back into the house, we've made this habit of taking the UV light and running that over all of the groceries we get. We also wipe it down with, like, a surfactant. And what I mean by surfactant, because it's for lack of a better term, is anything with, like, an aldehyde or a ketone in it because of their chemistry. But specifically, like, a lot of people, I'll see, they'll use disinfectant, like, hand sanitizer, which is typically, like, isopropyl alcohol or ethyl alcohol or something like that. And if your hand sanitizer is just alcohol, that's going to do nothing about the the current virus. It's, that's not going to do anything because it doesn't attack the outer protein shell, it doesn't do anything to the outer protein shell, the virus just continues on as, as if nothing happened. No, the only way to actually destroy the virus is to have certain molecules that can interact with the outer protein shell, and one of those is aldehydes and ketones, what they do is they just fit into that outer protein shell just right and they, they break it down. I think I'll put a link in the show notes to something that's on New England Biogen, where they've done a, an animation of how this works. It's actually quite interesting to watch, so I highly recommend that. So, if you're actually paranoid about that sort of thing, like use UV, because UV always works with most things, right? Because you're just basically cooking it to death with radiation. <laughs> or you use a surfactant, for lack of a better term, not a, not a disinfectant like alcohol. My job is that I, I tutor students in different subjects. Most of the time it's organic chemistry and math, 
but sometimes I'll step down to like general chemistry and I, I do a little bit of physics, like a little bit, like a little, little, little sprinkle here and there. And the thing with organic chemistry and, and biochemistry as well is it's something that I actually really enjoy. Like some people really dread organic chemistry going in. I actually really enjoy both organic chemistry and biochemistry. They're, they're great. And a lot of stuff they are, obviously, because it's like my whole thing. <laughs> it's, if I did like, it's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> but I'm going to be starting a show called Carbon Chemistry Conceptualized, where we're going to be explaining to people a lot of topics and concepts from organic chemistry and biochemistry because I think that's sort of important because I've seen a lot of organic chemistry videos out there and some are good and some aren't. I want to do it specifically the way I want to do it. So I might actually throw up like some problems. I might not. Probably not because, you know, no one wants to watch that. I mean, there's like thousands of that. But you also don't want to get rid of some of like the, the granular explanations of why things are the way they are. Because I know what Crash Course has been doing is that they've sort of gone the route of what I call baby organic chemistry. Because we actually have that in my school. We have two different tracks for organic chemistry. We have regular organic chemistry, which is what I did. And we have baby organic chemistry. And in baby organic chemistry, you don't cover something called mechanisms. And so for the people at home, what mechanisms are is when you go through a chemical reaction. A mechanism shows the flow of electrons through a chemical reaction so that and in conjunction with both thermodynamics and molecular geometry, you can actually show why the reaction is doing what it's doing and what's actually happening at like a molecular level. Oh, this leaves where that attaches at this point or something like that. So you have a bit of reactions, like the main ones are the substitution reactions, so you've got SN1 and SN2. Elimination reactions, you've got E1 and E2, and you've got like a whole bunch of addition reactions. I'm not going to explain what those are right here. If you really want to know what those are, you can look those up. <laughs> or wait till an episode comes out from my show, like way down the line. <laughs> Shameless plug. But Crash Course doesn't do a lot of that. I mean, they do some sort of the same reactions, but it's more like, oh, these compounds shove together and that drops out. And it's not quite the same, because when you're drawing mechanisms, you show an arrow going from electron-rich to electron-poor to show that flow of electrons. So that's what I find to be key when explaining a lot of things because if, if some people just memorize things that's fine but that's not really the whole picture of it you want to sort of conceptualize it that's why the whole thing is carbon chemistry conceptualized so that's what we're going to be doing a lot of the times because i'm coming from a place of doing mostly like gaming videos so those are typically more editing heavy than they are writing heavy like you don't write anything for them at all right you just do whatever happens, like no scripts go in, you just do what you need to do. And then you take, go through all the footage and you pick out what's interesting, you put that in and you cut anything that is that no one wants to watch. So, well, if you actually like watch a lot of my later Cherry episodes, they take so long to do, but they're very edited down. Just because I want them to actually be something that someone would want to watch. So that's why. So it's sort of like this motivation that you have to get yourself to prod yourself to actually start editing because for the current three episodes I'm editing this I think this is episode two of the Mastermind series it's just this one segment I think I'm like fighting this boss or something it's just such a slog sometimes and then other times you just sit down and you're like okay I'm gonna get it done and then you get it done so 
I think that's one of the things I'm actually going to do today after I finish this podcast is I'm going to motivate myself to finish that episode. Carbon conceptual chemistry conceptualizes is probably going to be a little bit easier because it's going to be more writing heavy. So in the writing process, you're going to say, okay, this is what's going to be in the video and this is not what's going to be in the video. So by the time you finally get down to editing, you actually know what's going to be in it, if that makes sense. As I mentioned, I'm graduating in May. A lot of people go to school for the experience. If you if you're a listener and you know what that experience is about, put it down in the comments. Let me know. Because I have no idea. But for me, what college has been about is to go in, take the required courses in the required order, and get out ASAP. That's always been my thing. I have one general education class I have left in the fall. Our gen ed system at URI is just so odd. For most universities, you would think, oh, just take this list of classes and then go on from there. But no, that's that's not how we do it here. That's not what it is at all. It's more like, oh, here's a list of criteria that you want that we want you to satisfy. Those among them being civic responsibility and diversity and inclusion. I'm sitting here scratching my head and that that world is just so alien to me. I'm predominantly in the in the natural sciences. When we look at a fact, I was like, oh here's the fact. Hooray! And then we move on with our lives. When you think about this, like, there's like multiple types of people in the world. Like there's scientists who look at the facts and then they look at their worldview. And if the facts conflict with that worldview, you change your worldview. Duh. Then there's other people. So then you've got the ty type of people who have the facts and then they'll have their worldview. And if the facts conflict with that worldview, they'll just ignore those facts. And just pretend like those facts don't exist. And then you'll have those people that have facts that conflict with their worldview. And they'll accept that those facts exist and then they'll just try and prove that they're wrong. Even though that they aren't. I think that's the three types of people you'll find in this world. But scientists, you know, we have facts and then we accept the facts as they are. And if something changes down the road, then we change our, our worldview to that. It's great. But circling back to our general education requirements. It, they're just so odd. And you basically have to take courses that satisfy those criteria based off of what the university says they satisfy. So that's how it is. And honestly, the whole concept of general education, I don't get either. Because in high school, you end up doing a lot of those things anyways. Like you, you end up reading or you end up doing something like government and politics or you end up doing something like psychology. It's like, why do I need to do these over again? I'm already well-rounded, whatever the heck that means within the context of, you know, what universities want. Why do I need to take courses if all I want to do is biochemistry? Can't I just take the core classes I need for the bachelors of science, that being like general chemistry, general biology, and general physics, and some math courses? Why... Do I, why can't I just focus on those classes that I actually want to do? Why do I have to do these extraneous classes that I'm never going to use ever again? It just boggles my brain why we're still stuck in this sort of limbo. Especially when prices for university are not inexpensive at all. I'm going to a state school and it already cost me like an arm and a leg. I don't know how people afford anything that's more expensive than that, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's nuts. So if you're paying 
that much for your education. Why am I being forced to take these extraneous classes? It just doesn't make any sense, right? So, discuss. I'm planning on going to medical school eventually. I'm going to take a gap year in between my last year of university and before I start looking at medical schools. I still need to get my clinical hours in, and I still haven't done that. And it's going to be harder to do that, especially now, for obvious reasons. And I have to also have to take my MCATs. There's some parts of the MCATs that I'm really not looking forward to, like the general biology and the general chemistry and the general physics sections, because I haven't done those since high school. The last time you heard an episode from the Green Jam pod was when I was in high school. <laughs> I'm nervous about those. Like, the, orga the organic chemistry section, the biochemistry section, I'm sure it's going to be just fine, because that's more fresh in my mind. So that's what actually what I'm nervous about, which is weird because most people are actually nervous about the opposite things. They're more nervous about organic chemistry. But as, as I mentioned, I love organic chemistry. Organic chemistry is thumbs up. And then there's like the critical analysis and reading stuffs. That's what I call it. They call it CARS. I'm pretty sure it stands for something else, but that's essentially what it is to that effect. Or they just give you a whole bunch of questions, and then you just have to analyze them and use your brain to come up with the best response, which I guess is, is fine. So that's that. I cleaned my air conditioner yesterday. And not yesterday, actually. No, it was, it was two days ago. And ever since I did that, it's been fantastic. It was really dirty. <laughs> I have ended up using isopropyl alcohol with paper towels and that seemed to get the trick done. But there was just so much dirt and so much just debris everywhere, like specifically within the inside the air conditioner. And the reason why I did this, okay, is because we put it in originally back in May. The thing is with this air conditioner wasn't working that well. It just wasn't cooling down the room at all. I was like, fine, I can live with that. That's okay. Like I've, I've been used to the heat before. I live in a house with bad balancing between all of the radiators and during the winter my room is the hottest room in the house and it's a good solid 20 degrees above what the thermostat says it is downstairs that's fine so i'm used to the heat the straw that broke the camel's back per se is the fact that it was just spewing water all over my windowsill it was just regurgitating all this water on the windowsill it was nuts my iphone the iphone 5s don't be silly i don't have the new one my iphone 5s just died because of the water that got in it. That was not great. So I actually ended up upgrading to the iPhone SE. Don't be silly. It's not the new one. It's the one from 2016. Because A, I don't like newer phones because they're just too large. And B, I'm a, I'm a cheapo. I got the new, I got the old iPhone SE used off of eBay. And I lost a lot of data. Because Apple does this weird thing where it locks. The screen died, but the whole device was fine. The reason I know this is because whenever I plugged the USB cable into my computer to see if I could back it up, it would make the three, the little three buzzes would go like And apparently that's when it's telling you that you need to unlock the iPhone to use the accessory. Why is this a feature? Did I ask for this? No, because no one has ever stolen my phone ever because it's just so old. So no one's gonna steal that. So why is this a security feature? Of course I want the the thing that I'm plugging in to recognize it. Why would you need me to go through the extra hoops of unlocking the phone first and tapping the trust button to do that? Especially in situations like these where the screen just doesn't work 
at all. So now my data is just gone forever. I'll never get it back unless I get a replacement screen. And it was either getting a replacement screen for 40 bucks or getting just a phone that I know works for 70 bucks. So I just got a phone that I know works for 70 bucks. And I got a lot of my data back because most of it was just music and stuff, which I already have my my computer, so that was fine. But a lot of it was just like text messages for people because I never delete those because a lot of people I just don't bother putting it into my contacts. But that comes back to bite me. Now I won't be able to message those people anymore unless they message me again. And a lot of them are people from high school that I just haven't seen since then. Since high school graduation, which is kind of sad for me because I kind of want to keep up with those people. But now I just don't have the option to because my, my phone died. All because of this, this stupid air conditioner. So I, this, this would happen. A week later after the phone incident, this is being like two days ago, it was 12 o'clock at night. It was just started spewing water again. It was just so much. I was like, you know what? I'm fed up. I don't want to deal with this anymore. So I took the air conditioner out of the window. I plopped it on the bed with a towel underneath, mind you. And I just took the outer casing off and I just cleaned it right then and there because I was just so irritated with this stupid air conditioner. <laughs> And then I fixed it and I put it back and now it's great. Because now every time I turn it on, this room turns into a meat locker and you, I get literal goosebumps on my thighs, which is always great. <laughs> Yesterday I was having to wear a sweatshirt in here while the, the air conditioner was on. Because of the way the controls work, the air conditioner is basically on or off. So you're either melting or you're freezing and there's no in between. So basically like the, the planet Mercury. I know that came out of left field, but... Listen to the analogies there. If you want to go into that, you can always look up Mercury. Actually, no. For, for you, dear viewer, I'll explain. So Mercury is in a geosynchronous orbit with the sun, similar to how the moon is in a geosynchronous orbit with the Earth, meaning the time it takes for, to rotate about its axis is the same time it takes to revolve around the thing. So for the moon, that's why we can't ever see the dark side of the moon. We only see one side of the moon. And for Mercury, it's the same thing for the sun. So there's always one side of Mercury that's blazing hot because it's not the sun. And there's always one side of Mercury that's not. It's like freezing cold because it's in the vacuum of space. So that's Mercury. And that's what my room is basically, but not at like critical levels where you're gonna like die or whatever. But that's the air condition. It's either on or it's off and there's no in between. And right now it's off because that would kill my sound quality. This room is starting to heat up a little bit as the heat like slowly encroaches in. That's fine. That's how I know it's fixed. It hasn't regurgitated water. So I guess the moral of the story is if your air conditioner isn't working great, clean it. Speaking of software, going back to that Apple being stupid because not being able to get the data off my phone because they want me to unlock it from the screen. Let's talk about Cisco WebEx. I don't know if you're aware what Cisco WebEx is from my tutoring job. We use Cisco WebEx. Cisco WebEx is a piece of garbage and I hate it so much. And I put it in the show notes because it is just so bad. I don't know if you've ever used this before. If you're in the business world because that's where I guess most people use this is Cisco WebEx. There's this one bug. I think they fixed it recently, but it was open for three weeks where it would default to whatever microphone and camera it wanted to and then you just couldn't change it. So an example of this is I have my webcam and I have this microphone that you're actually currently 
listening to me out of. And for this video conference, of course I want to use the microphone. It's a good microphone. So of course in order to utilize it, you have to go into the menu, you go to audio, and you go to speaker, microphone, and camera. And then you tell it what speaker you want to use. So you point to your headphones and you use your microphone. So you point to your microphone and your camera. And typically that works. But what happens is a lot of the times, if it picks up my webcam, it'll use the microphone on that webcam, which is just complete garbage. The camera's fine, the microphone is not. Every single time it would default to the microphone and I couldn't change it. You would just go to that menu, you'd change the things and then you'd close the menu because there's no apply button, because no one has apply buttons anymore. And it just doesn't save your settings. And it just drives me up the wall because I'm trying to actually do my work here. And instead I'm fiddling with the stupid software because it just has a bug to it. It didn't always have this bug. I've only experienced that for that three week period. Before that it was working just fine and now it's working just fine. It was just during that three week period that it was just so bad. I ended up having to resort to using the web application as opposed to the desktop application which doesn't have a lot of the same features but it allowed me to use Mozilla to limit what microphone, camera, and speakers I could allow it to use. This is not what I need. So Cisco WebEx is a thumbs down for me. It's working fine now, but oh, it was just so bad. If your product is working just fine, why do we need to update it? What is the, the, the reasoning behind this? I just don't understand. And then I just end up breaking everything. I'm glad I've cut that off my chest. Speaking of that, we've got the new version of macOS. I don't actually don't use macOS. I'm a Windows user, so a lot of times you'll listen to other things where people talk about macOS like it's sliced bread or whatever, or not, because apparently a lot of people don't like the the new iconography. We'll get to that though. But I'm just a person who's looking from the outside in, if that makes sense, because I've used Windows computers all my life. And like, I totally get that, like going from Windows XP to Windows Vista, I know a lot of people on the Windows side, we were a lot of, a lot of people were mad about that. Nowadays, we have Windows 10. Wow, Windows 10, this is fine. It's not the greatest, it's not the worst, it's, it's fine. But then there's people who use macOS, and I guess macOS has that appeal to it, because it has sort of a unified design language to it and also it has that elegance to it. And the one thing I don't like, again, is sort of this, the same thing. It's like a lack of apply buttons is just one of those things. Control panel on Windows 10 thankfully still has apply buttons. So apply buttons are just there for that peace of mind to know that it's done, right? That's the reason that they're there. And Windows 10 is even doing this where you go into the PC settings app and there's no apply button. What is this? How do I know that it's actually doing what it says it's doing if there's no apply button? You know, it's sort of like that thing. If, if the tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear, does it fall? No. So you want that apply button to be there, right? And macOS is like that because it's sort of them, their mantra of it just works. But what if it doesn't? The stupid iPhone. That's a prime example of, oh, it should just work. It should just remember the computer. But what if it doesn't, and this time it didn't, and I don't have my data because Apple's so stuck to this philosophy, this mantra, that they just don't give you the option to have a failsafe or a backdoor or nothing. It's just, this is what it is, and that's why I don't use macOS, because I can't deal with that. And also app stores, what is that? No, 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 no. You go to the website, you go to the developer's website, you download the, the installer, so it's typically an MSI 
package file or an executable. You run that, you install the program. Done. You don't go to an app store. What the heck is this? I know we have the app store on Windows 10, but no one uses that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was like, what the heck is this? Do we need this? No. I don't think so. But no, on macOS, they want to make it as hard as it is to apparently sideload apps, which is what we just call installing programs. You can't sideload programs on macOS very easily, apparently. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to go through the App Store like 90% of the time, which I guess is fine. I just find it to be so bizarre. I guess I see the appeal for it, specifically with its design language and elegance and whatever. But apparently a lot of people are now mad about this new iconography. It's called New Morphism. Let's look at the new Messages app. Mac OS, Big Sur. It's sort of like the Messages app from iOS, but it's that ellipse instead now becomes sort of like this ball that's been squashed to look like this 3D oval. I don't know what kind of solid that's called. And it sort of has that nub that comes out, but again, it's still like 3D. And it has this gradient to it that definitely tells you it's 3D. And then there's a shadow of it underneath. It's fine. Also, calculator, it looks like buttons you could press. But the first thing that came to mind for to me was different colored gumdrops that you want to eat. <laughs> I don't know why. It just popped into my brain. Or Safari, where the little compass is engraved into the, the white square. So the difference with macOS Big Sur is they've gone to this whole new design philosophy where they just have their squircles from iOS. They're porting them over here instead of just having whatever shape the icon is, which I'm okay with, I'm a big fan of that. But they don't make it flat like iOS is, which I'm not okay with. Flat is great because you see what it is and then you know to click on it. That's fantastic design in my opinion. Here's an example of bad design. Right now there's this Windows UWP app called Amazon Music. I use it because you get it with Amazon Prime, so you might as well, you might, if you're paying for it, you might as well use it. Windows UWP apps, you can't change the icon of at all. Even if you try to change the icon, right click on it and it goes into my taskbar, it's just nothing. The icon just isn't there at all. It shows that I'm clicked on it, right? And it has that space for it and it has like the blue bar underneath showing that it's open. But it's just not there at all. It's just so odd to me. You can't change the icons of the Windows UWP apps, which just makes me think. And if you look at the, the icons, you should, you should just have basic shapes to them, basic colors. Because they're quite small. I mean, you can't see them from far away. Or even where I am, where my face is three feet from the monitor. But you look at the Amazon Music app, and you'd think it'd be a musical note with the little Amazon arrow going through it. With a, with a background. But no, that's not what they've done at all. Here's what they've done. They've done a blue background, with which looks like a gradient, which I guess is fine, because a lot of people actually do gradients. So that's not the main thing I'm mad about. And then what they've done is they've written the, in letters, Amazon Music, with Amazon on the top, and then music in slightly larger letters on the bottom. Of course, with the line going through Amazon. And you can just barely see the letters. I know that's supposed to say Amazon, but I can make up the A, I can make up the M, sort of, and the rest of it is just whatever. It's nuts! Especially for far-sighted people like me, who can't see things up close. 
So when we try to see really small things, when we get close to it, it just gets blurry, so you can't see it at all. This is bad design uh, language. Why should I have to squint in order to see what your program is supposed to be? No. It should be easily recognizable, even if it's really small. I should be able to draw this in Microsoft Paint. That's how simple this thing should be. Look at VLC's icon. It's just a cone with orange and white stripes on an orange background. That's fantastic. VLC, thumbs up. Amazon Music, what are you doing? That's a program I, I pay for. VLC isn't. That's a free program. Amazon Music is a program I pay for, and the, the, the icon looks trash. And I know they're capable of making a good icon, because right next to it I have the Kindle icon. And the Kindle icon is just a person sitting there, and sort of like this blue background, which I guess is supposed to be like the night sky, because there's a silhouette of this person, and they are looking, clearly reading something, because they're looking down at it. And you can tell that it's, this is, okay, this is the, the app for reading. And I don't need to squint to see that they're doing it because there's no letters. It's just the silhouette, which makes it very clear what they're doing. And that's also an Amazon application. Come on, Amazon. You're capable of doing this. Why are some of your icons garbage and some of your icons fine? This is the thing about Windows 10. It's a mixed bag. So I appreciate the fact that macOS is trying to make everything more unified. I like that. The new morphism, I'm not too, I don't feel too great about, because I know Microsoft might actually try to copy Apple, and which then I'm going to actually be affected by this. That's sort of the, the difference between the Windows 10 iconography, because Windows in general has been so f around for so long, since the 90s, that we've been basically using a lot of the same icons. Like, look at the task manager icon. It's like this computer monitor, but not like one of the new ones. It's not an LCD. No, 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 no. It's a CRT. Some people listening might even not even know what a CRT is. Well, I mean, it sort of looks like an LCD. You can't tell if it's a CRT or not because you don't see that big bulge in the, in the background. And then you see the, the desktop to the side of the computer monitor, and there's a little, looks like a heart monitor on the screen. But this is not flat design at all. This is clearly skeuomorphic. We haven't seen skeuomorphic design since 2012. And on an operating system, Windows 10, that has been released in 2015. Come on, Microsoft. Get on this. Make the icons flat. That's that's what I want. But now, of course, that's not going to happen. And you can actually clearly see this. Like, if you look at the PC settings, which is the, the new app for your settings, you actually see all of your icons. It's flat. It shows what things are. It's clearly labeled. It's great. I appreciate it. Then we look at control panel, and you look at these icons, and they're just... Oh, they're so the mid-2000s. This is peak skeuomorphism right here. And we still have this control panel. This is leftover from Windows XP, which released in 2001. What is this? Okay. Uh, so this is what I fault Windows 10 for. If you're going to make the control panel, make the control panel. That's fine. Just make the icons flat. I know some people are actually complaining about that new battery icon and that new notifications icon in macOS Big Sur. But have you seen the control panel icons in Windows 10? That user accounts icon? Yeah, we've been using that since 2001 with Windows XP. I know I make fun of Windows 10 for those reasons, but Apple users make fun of Windows 10 for the wrong reasons. Oh, viruses. I don't even have a virus software on this computer. It's been running for five months now, and it's been fine. Like, Windows Defender has just been doing a good enough job to keep up with everything. So I appreciate that. 
to not have to need to buy our software. So that's that's great. They also make fun of DLL hell. What even is that? They're just making the fun of that we have a lot of DLLs. But no, if you install a program, of course it's going to use the DLLs because you're going to have a shared repository of libraries. That makes sense, right? Because if I have multiple programs, why do I need to have separate libraries for each of these new programs? No, it's called a shared library, which makes sense. The only issues I run into it is just where it doesn't have a certain DLL. So you look it up on Google, you download the DLL because there's a giant repository of DLLs online. Just make sure you're going to a repeatable one. Otherwise, you're going to be installing malware and that's, that's no fun. You install it and then you're good. You just point the program to the DLL. I have a folder on my desktop called DLLs where you just stick them in the folder and you're done. It's that easy. I don't know why people complain about DLLs. And then the other thing they complain about is the Windows Registry. And again, the Windows Registry is just a shared repository, not of libraries this time, but of just settings. It's system-wide. You change one setting and it changes it across the board. It's fantastic. Windows Registry, thumbs up. I mean, it's a little bit hard to navigate. I agree with you on, on that one. But if you know how to navigate Windows Explorer, I'm sure you can figure out how to navigate Windows Registry. Windows Registry is great. I don't understand why Apple needs to sandbox all of their apps and have them be self-contained. Because a lot of the times you don't want them to be self-contained. Because there's a lot of platforms that work in conjunction with each other. Adobe is the primary example of this, where they sort of share stuff between all of their, their applications and their application suite. And I know a lot of people that use Adobe, and it works flawlessly. And I guess they sort of had that with macOS because they're pretty big. But Windows, they don't have to have any special permissions to do that. They just do it because they can. Because nothing's sandboxed here. I know that sort of leaves you open to certain things, like viruses are more prone to, a, to attack a system. But again, I've been working with Windows Defender. It's been fine. No virus software necessary. They always make fun of these few bullet points, like the Windows Registry or the fact that we have DLLs. But come on, it's it's not what you make fun of. You make fun of the low-hanging fruit. You just show the control panel, and you're done. That's all you have to do. That's the easy thing. That's what people understand. Oh, of course these icons are terrible. Duh. But no, they want to go after the wrong things, which, in my opinion, Windows Registry, thumbs up, DLLs, whatever. In my desktop, I'm running a... B450 motherboard with the Ryzen 5 2600. So this is the Ryzen 2000 series. And the reason I'm running this is because I bought the CPU and around Black Friday. I bought the CPU for like a hundred bucks. It was fantastic. Six cores, 12 threads, hundred bucks for a decent IPC. It's not the greatest. It's not Zen 2, but it's a decent instructions per cycle. But the thing is, you know, you got to upgrade your CPU at some point right down the line because my cpu came out in 2018 it's about two years old two years old at this point but then you think about it am i gonna upgrade to zen 2 probably not am i gonna upgrade to zen 3 well i guess it would be supported in the beta bios because i have a b450 motherboard and i guess that's the reason they didn't have that beta bios initially was because they wanted people to buy b550 because listen don't buy a b550 motherboard i mean do if you really want a computer now because they're actually pretty good value. But after B550, you have B650, which they may or may not do. After that, they're going to go to Zen 4 with Ryzen 5000. And at that point, I think DDR5 is going to be common enough to actually put it in your motherboards. The same thing with PCI Express Gen 5. So once they do that, you know that they're going to do a new socket. We're going to have a socket AM5 with DDR5 and PCI Express Gen 5 and Ryzen 5000. It's the battle of the fives. 
This is what this is on Zen 4. If they're doing a new socket after Zen 3, why go through a B550 motherboard? Because you're going to get Zen 2, you're going to get Zen 3. And that's it. That's all you get. No Zen 4, because that's going to be a brand new socket. Hopefully they make the cooler spacing the same, because I don't have to go out and buy a new cooler, because I actually like my current cooler. You could get Zen 3 now. You could wait for socket AM5, especially if you're like me, because I know B450 was really popular. To wait or not to wait? That is the question. Write your thoughts in the comments below. So that gets us to, to product naming and the texting industry, and it's just... Ugh, product naming is just so bad. Let me give you an example. NVIDIA. They did their GTX 700 series. And they did their GTX 900 series, they skipped 800 for some weird reason, I'll let that slide. And they have their GTX 1000 series, okay. Then you think, oh, the next generation is going to be GTX 1100, right? Because we're still doing the hundreds. Then they said, no, we're doing RTX 2000. Okay, okay, I see it. That's fine. We GTX 1000, now we have RTX 2000. If you're going to make the transition between three digits and four digits, that would be the way to do it. That's not what gets me. What gets me, they do GTX 16 series, 1600, after they release RTX 2000. Why are we calling it something different? We still don't know the answer to this question, even though this is a question people have been asking me for years now. What even is this? We know it doesn't have RTX because you put GTX in front of it. How much further do you need to delineate something? By giving it a lesser number? But... It's a lesser number, so you think, oh, it's an older. But no, they're newer products. They're newer. They just don't have ray tracing in them. That's all. Why give them a different number? You could have just done GTX uh, 2050 and then GTX 2040. And then it would have been fine. But no, we've got to have GTX 1650 and GTX 1660 and then RTX 2060. Why are there so many 60s? What is up with this? We still don't know the answer to this. And of course, AMD is no better when it comes to their graphics cards. Because they have their code names, which is fine. They named them after islands and then stars like Polaris, Vega, and Abbey. They're all stars, so that's fine. No, it's in the product naming. It just doesn't make sense. So I guess at the beginning of this decade, I mean, not this decade, but last decade, the 2010s, we started with the Radeon HD 6000, 7000, 8000. So we have the Radeon HD 8000. Okay, what's next? It's going to be the Radeon HD 9000. No, we're going to reset it, which I'm okay with. We're going to reset the thing. We're going to go back to 100, but we're not actually doing 100. We're doing R5, R7, R9, 200. Okay, so I guess we're using R5, R7, R9 to delineate between the different tiers. R5 is mobile graphics. That's fine. R7 is mid-tier desktop graphics. Sometimes it's a mobile graphic. That's fine. And then R9 is the top-end desktop graphics. Okay. That's great. Ah, oh, he's vacuuming me downstairs. Maybe I'll just hold this microphone close to my face and turn the game down. That's exactly what I'll do. Okay, so we have 200, and then we have R5, R7, R9, 300. And then we have RX 400. Okay, so we want to get rid of R5, R7, R9 now. That's, that's fine. I mean, RX X stands for 5, 7, or 9, so it's not really going away. It's just RX to have a unified name. That's fine. I totally get that. So we've got RX 400 with Polaris. Then we've got RX 500, which is Polaris refreshed, but it's a little bit better. It's like the difference between Zen and Zen Plus, so I'm okay with that. 
They should have called it Polaris Plus, but they didn't. That would have been the time to use Plus, but then they, they didn't. That's fine. But then you think, okay, we're going to go to Vega. Vega is the next generation graphics cards. Okay. You would think it would be called RX 600, but no. RX 600 is just the mobile versions of RX 500. They're still Polaris chips. Why do we have a third generation? Generation. Polaris chips when they're basically the same. Then they release their Vega cards. Okay, if we're not calling it RX 600, what are we calling it? Oh, we're calling it RX Vega 56, RX Vega 64, and Radeon 7. What? What happened to the RX with the top one? What is that? It's just Radeon 7. It's because it's based off of a Radeon Instinct line of, of server graphics cards. I don't think people care about that, though. They just care about the product name. So they're going to look for that RX to be there. Because we know Radeon RX. That's been the big thing since 2016. That's fine. So we've got RX Vega. But this is the first time they actually put the code name and the actual product name. I've never seen this been done before. And suddenly they're doing it now. Right, so is the next card going to be called RX Navi? Because that's the next generation? No. Of course it's not. Why would why would we stick to a pattern? This is not what we're doing. No. It's going to be called RX 5000. <laughs> why is this called RX 5000? I thought we wanted to go from four digits back to three digits. That's why we reset the whole thing. We didn't even make it to 500 before we just got rid of the whole three digits thing. It's called pick a lane. It's, and we don't even reset 1,000. No, we reset to RX 5,000. And I actually have a theory. This is speculation at this point, but I have a theory. I think it's because they're using Polaris as a crutch for those those lower-end graphics cards because they, you know, they don't have anything from Navi in that tier. Because think about it. NVIDIA has that. They have that locked down with like the GT 1030 at the bottom. And then they rely on some Pascal cards, but mostly they've converted over to Turing with the GTX 1650 and the GTX 1660 and their variants like TI, Super, whatever. AMD, on the other hand, for their Navi cards, doesn't have anything lower than the RX 5500 XT in terms of price or performance. So if you want to get a newer Navi card, you're, the minimum you're going to be paying is $200. They could have just easily released lower graphics cards, but I think they realized they had too much stock left over, just like NVIDIA did. They had tons of Pascal stock left over, so of course they were trying to push that. And AMD has tons of Polaris stock left over from their crypto mining craze. Of course they're going to use Polaris as a crutch. So this is my theory. They're, they're using Polaris as a crutch, because if you look at the, the performance, you've got the RX 550, which was the lowly graphics card at the bottom. Then you step up to the RX 560, then the RX 570, then the RX 580, the RX 590. Then you got the RX 5500 XT, and that's when we switch over between the RX 590 and the RX 5500 XT. It just slots in perfectly in their lineup. So I think they made the new Navi cards 5000, because it's similar enough to 500 that people will just see it as one product stack, even though it clearly isn't because they're separate graphics card generations. Polaris is aging at this point because it's been around since like 2016. It's four years old at this point. I just don't understand people naming their products the way they do. Because I know a lot of people that are just getting into PC hardware and they look at the naming behind graphics cards. They're like, what on earth is this? And you just have to explain you shouldn't have to do that. You just make your products. Oh, each generation is a higher number in the in the first number. And among the product stack, the higher number of the, the last two digits is going to be the better one. 
That's all you have to remember. And if we stick to that system, it'll be fine. But no. Of course we don't stick to that system. Because that would be too hard. I guess we're going to finish out this podcast with a general recommendation for a game that I've been playing since November. It's called No Man's Sky. It's pretty great. I highly recommend it. The graphics are fine. I mean, actually, they're pretty good for what they are. The art style is really good. And it's not that. I remember in 2016 when it came out, most people thought, I was like, oh god, this is a boring game. But listen, I recommend it because I don't play, I'm very picky about the kinds of games that I play. I don't play first-person shooters. I don't play esports games. Just because they don't entertain me in the same way that other games do. So mostly what I play is I play puzzle games. I play sim games, like World Coaster 2. Well, Coach Tycoon or Transport Tycoon, of course, Open TCD and stuff like that. Those are the Sim games. Not the Sims. Sims does not count. Sims is not a Sim game. I'm going to say that right now. If you think that Sims is a Sim game, you're wrong. And then I also play survival crafting type games like Minecraft, Terraria, No Man's Sky, Satisfactory, those kinds, kinds of games. No Man's Sky, though. It's a great game. You do a lot of space exploration. You do a lot of resource gathering. You do a whole bunch of quests i'm pretty much done with the game i have all the things i want i have a freighter and i have completed most of my tech tree if you have, if you played it before and haven't touched it since its release you should play it now because it's a lot better they've had a lot of updates since then just between the time i started in november with no man's sky beyond and now we've, we've gotten multiple updates we got living ship we got exomech and we we got crossplay and then we've got Desolation. Those are all the major updates. And that's just between the past November and now. And they're, they're not light updates either. They're pretty heavy too. So I highly recommend. I think we're going to wrap up the show. There is some homework that you may or may not want to do. I'm, I'm not going to force you to do anything, obviously. Because A, I can't. And B, why would I want to? That's dumb. I watched this movie from DC. DC's live action movies these days are, are pretty bad. We all know that Batman v Superman or the the Justice League. But their animated movies are actually pretty good. Death of Superman, Reign of the Superman, pretty good movies. Apocalypse War, not as good, but it's fine. But a lot of their animated movies are just pretty good. Flashpoint Paradox, mm, huge thumbs up. What a great movie that is. Just watch that. But no, I'm not going to recommend any of those. Of course I'm going to recommend those good movies. But we're not going to talk about that. I think the next time we meet again is I'm going to we're, I'm going to discuss a movie called Steel. It was made in 1997 and it's based off of the DC comic superhero Steel. Very loosely though, because it doesn't even have the same origin. In the movie, his, his origin is completely different. Because of course this is before superheroes wherever in combined universes they're always doing their own thing so i always wondered like how i because i saw that this movie existed and i was hemming and hawing are we gonna see it or not because i looked at the reviews and i heard it was pretty bad if it's a bad b movie and it's a dc movie from the 90s of course you're gonna watch it so we ended up watching this it stars shaquille o'neal i have no idea who the director is i think judd nelson is in it and you can tell he clearly doesn't care at all, because you can see it in his acting. Shaquille O'Neal is in it. I think it's mostly an acting vehicle for him, because, you know, he's a basketball player. His acting is not great, but a lot of it is just the writing is just so bad. A lot of the dialogue is just things that people would never say, and the effects are pretty corny, given something from the late 90s. The movie in general is just really bad. <laughs> but I was so entertained just because of the pure entertainment value of this if you're like me and you like that that schlock as certain people on the internet call it you just laugh the whole time because it's trying to take itself seriously 
but you know it's not because it's such a bad movie. I was laughing the whole time just because of how bad this movie is. And it's not like Sharknado where they intentionally set out to make a bad movie. No, they set out to make a good movie and it's a bad movie and that's why it's funny. So watch that Steel 1997 from DC. They should watch it and we'll discuss it next time. <laughs> and I guess that's that. We'll wrap it up for today. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of me talking to you over the airwaves slash cable waves that is the internet. I will bid you a farewell, dear listener, until we meet again.